0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mind Refinery Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Kyle Bodanis. This week on the pod, we're beginning a reoccurring series of shows that focuses on the creative world of some of music's most popular and influential voices. This week is part one of our epic deep dive into the creative world of Kanye West. We're going to look at his career from his early days of producing until his genre-transcending album Graduation. Before we get started, we are happy to announce that our culinary series, Plated, has been nominated for Best Documentary and Lifestyle Series, as well as Best Toronto Series, at the 2020 Toronto Webfest. The festival is on July 10th to 11th, and we'll have more information on screening schedules on our social media. By the way, if you haven't seen Plated, hop on our YouTube channel to check it out, and absolutely, positively, do not forget to smash that subscribe button. And now, without further ado, here's the show. All right, guys, here for the first leg of our deep dive into the creative world of Kanye West is Mine Refinery creative Andrew Lanza. Hey, hey. And very special guest, a hip-hop guru, former writer for Pound Magazine. He currently manages the ever-talented Terrell Morris, who, if you haven't listened to him, get on it, Coburn Blair. Coburn, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: So to start this, I really want to talk about Kanye West before college dropout. I think that a lot of people underestimate how much he was already changing the industry from a producing standpoint and how much his push for, you know, push for a record deal and to push for getting out there into the record industry, you know, as an artist, you know, how much it really reflected what was happening in the industry and what was about to change the industry. How do you how do you guys think that his work before College Dropout kind of changed and molded some of the sound of hip-hop
1: I think you you can't like talk about Kanye West obviously without talking about what Rockefeller was in those days and obviously his relationship with Jay-Z and like his ties to a sound that kind of dominated hip-hop at the time like you listen to H to the Izzo it's obviously still sounds great like to this day and the Kind of rich and lush sounds, uh, of that song, and then you have like Takeover, which obviously has its place in Pantheon as being part of the Jay Z versus Nas beef. And uh, it was a what uh, it was a, a rock sample, it was the Doors,
0: it was the uh, six center. to yeah. nine, I believe, was the uh, was the uh, sample,
1: yeah. And like the, to be able to flip that sample into like this song that's like a decora- declaration of war against Nas, who obviously has his kind of history of rich history in the game and Kanye West, like being a part of this feud that consumes hip hop and hip hop media at the time and him being kind of in the background, but also having a seat at the table in that. So like then to go on to do like stand up for ludicrous or, or like handle some production on like Nas's the lost tapes and Cameron's come home with me and. or just, yeah, dead Prez. just
0: dead Prez, just
2: to, that that song is fucking grimy just
0: to interject uh the door sample is five to one i just remembered not six to nine that was a song by car um
2: yes but I, that, I, that hit that that beat from hip-hop by uh dead press like that that almost doesn't even sound like a kanye beat like i i just found that out recently that he produced that and i was i was like wow i was kind of shocked
0: i immediately have to wild out when that song comes on
2: yeah, oh it's i know it, it makes it's you want to like fight people classic it's, like, I get I get yeah. fired the fuck up.
0: I It's funny, because if you look at all the different... Okay, because he had these really great apprenticeships. Like, we mentioned Jay-Z, you know, Dame Dash, Talib Kweli, you know, Dead Prez. It's interesting when you consider that group of musicians that he was around. Because if you take what Rockefeller was doing, and then you look at Dead Prez, it's almost like you're combining this you know, these this very commercial hip-hop with very intellectual, um, more socially conscious rap. And that almost feels like a blueprint for what he's about to do, but he's just going to take it in his own direction.
1: He fused those two elements, and that's kind of what gave you the Kanye West that we got in that era, right? Like, he had the dead press, the telequality, and those elements of backpack, underground hip-hop. And then he brought that to Jay Z and to like all these other kind of like guys who were dominating the charts. Exactly, he brought it to the mainstream. Because well, what was the? He had the record with "Dilated Peoples." Was that? Oh
0: yeah, I'm or... trying to remember what the fuck that was called. Yeah, see, the, 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 like when you look at it now, it, like it, it makes it makes complete sense. I think Blueprint was a really good example of that. Before you know, he put together his pre CD, uh, Freshman Adjustment. Um, like, I, I think if you if you want to see the effect of Kanye West sonically on the industry, the beginning of it, look at Blueprint, I think his work on that album is fucking fantastic and is the best example of what's going to come next.
1: Absolutely. For him to also do, like, TI records and, like, what he did, You Don't Know My Name and 03 Pl- Funny, and Clyde. So he was, like, getting plaques already before he, like, led into kind of, like, setting on his own. But it, it also makes me wonder, like why did it take so long for him to get signed? Like, what was he just like not hitting mark for people or,
0: well, do you think it's his attitude or do you think it's because like, cause in interviews, he talks about how he went in there and was brash and he's like, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And I, that's kind of what I love about this era of Kanye West is that he's like that and has, has an unbridled belief in himself. But at the same time, you know, labels want to work with people, especially them, want to work with people who play ball especially in the fact that you're coming really off of the damage that file sharing did from a sales standpoint to the industry. Um, So I guess the question is, do you think that's a matter of not being able to see the future or that maybe they just were turned off by him himself?
2: Well, I think it's, it's um, a lot to do with like pigeonholing him as also um, a, a producer and, him just being, you know, everybody thought of him as a producer. They knew he had talent as that. And even though he was rapping at them in the studio for hours on end, I think, um, in the, in that more so in the past, where, you know, people kind of pigeonholed you as one thing. And it, it was probably really hard for him to break out of that, no matter how hard he tried. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think that had something to do with it. Also, his image, obviously, his brashness. I think maybe at the time, his image wasn't uh, marketable. For lack of a better word, um, he wasn't like a gangster rapper, like a gangster rapper. He wasn't um, he didn't have the image, so they couldn't, you know, plas- like in their opinion, they they couldn't uh they couldn't market
1: him. I have a question. Do you think we get the Kanye West we have today if he signs to another label and not Rockefeller? Like say he signed to Sony or like Virgin or something like that, or EMI?
2: I think so, yes, man. I think yes. I think I think if he went somewhere and they tried to control him, he would have just been like, fuck it. And then, you know what, I bet that would have ushered in SoundCloud and shit faster. He would have just been like, fuck it, I'm just going to put my shit out there. Fuck a label. Because he got probably, he would have gotten like treated like trash at Capitol or, or whatever. And then he would have just like cut out the middleman and just put out his shit for free. And I bet you that in that turn, it would have uh, sparked, you know, SoundCloud and um, Bandcamp, et cetera, et cetera. Put, putting your shit out for free. Um I think that I think that would have maybe been a catalyst for that the or more f- early on, obviously
0: the major labels even at this like they're oppressive at that point from a, I, I like I don't know because I think a lot of the major label pressure comes from you know making sure there's singles and things like that, and I don't think he would have had a problem with that. It's just where does i think Rockefeller was a situation where he was with people who already respected him mm-hmm. and cared about him too so there was a different there was different restraints put on they're more interested in seeing what he could do like they're not going to sign anybody they don't feel is commercial and especially especially Rockefeller. like they, they're business like they're businessmen they know like they, they know what it takes at this point and i i think that you know major labels are very averse to risk at that point so i don't know I don't even know if he's getting signed necessarily, at that point, and I I don't know how all these things because you know we're gonna get into the question about what would happen if he didn't survive his car accident. But like this is another one of those things is like what one of those big music what ifs is what if they signed to this label, you know, like what if you know Sonic Youth signs to a different record label, you know, you know they don't they don't really shop around and they aren't discerning and they go with fucking Geffen, but would they go with someone else and they don't give them the same freedom i i think that people kind of overlook how restrictive those record labels are but at the same time i think what lance is saying does have some credence in that this he would maybe he would find another way to make it happen because he doesn't seem like the kind of person would be discouraged but i don't know what that looks like if he's no not he working. would not be yeah exactly but i don't know what that looks like after i guess is the big point
2: I think maybe you would have got like one out, al- like if if you know they wanted him to play ball or whatever, they, like they, he would have got they would have got one album that they wanted, and then he would have been like, "Fuck this," and then he would have got signed somewhere else, and then did his thing, or he would have just taken it straight to the people or something. I don't know.
0: What do you think about that, Coburn?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know that you'll see. like I don't. Like, I think there's a lot of people who got buried like being on the wrong label, and a lot of people who weren't able to like articulate their artistic dream with up uh, being on the wrong label. So I, I don't know that we'd see Kanye in the same way if he didn't land on Rockefeller cuz I don't think he would have had the same artistic freedoms. I don't think you get like all those features that he got that helped yeah, make
0: Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't have had the same that. collaborative el- uh, collaborative environment, right? Because like there's always an us against them thing with the labels too because like at the end of the day when you're going into the studio there there the charge, you know, the the meters running and yeah. it's you know, and you're you're paying back your advance and, you know, they're in your pocket for the first record. And I, I don't know if the environment, because he, we know he thrives on collaboration. We know that is one of the big, mm. you know, that is one of the things that fuels his career and has helped him, you know, does he get paired with the right people? Does he get on tour with you 2 and, you know, and the Rolling Stones? Do all these things happen? Because you're getting more into these back to the future fucking questions where... You know, like anything in another environment may not have worked. It's like putting writers in other environments, or you know, what if Ernest Hemingway didn't live through the First World War, or what if um, uh, what was like a, 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 an NBA player is drafted by the wrong team? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is Michael Jordan going to be as good if Portland takes him and not Sam Bowie? You know what I mean? Like, what is maybe? I mean, I'm sure you would have had the talent, but like at the end of the day, there's all these different things involved in, in kind of, you know, being in the right environment, being surrounded by the right people, getting the right freedom to express yourself, but also having the people also to, you know, rein you in at the right times as well. And that all comes from like, you know, good collaboration. And I just don't think if he signs to Capitol Records, he's necessarily gonna get it. Because I mean, if even if you look at like the BC boys when they got signed you know in their early days you know with capital it's a lot of it is just you know the label doing stuff and then you're just kind of hearing about it after the fact and I think he wants too much control over what he's doing I think if he signed to a major label like that it would have been a situation where you know he starts something like Interscope like a sub label of it because to kind of have his own like he starts like a Def Jam or Rockefeller or something like that to try to like keep him to kind of give him his own space to do it.
1: Yeah, I I also wonder too because there's value in him being next to Jay Z and being next to like in these rooms with these people. So I think if he signed maybe direct to a label and didn't have like the backing of like the biggest artists in the world at the at the time, like he there's no had a for him. yeah, there's no atmosphere. I think in yeah. that, like, I yeah. think there's still like his will and his drive, but I don't know that we get called dropout the way we did. I don't know that like like I'd say he's gonna put something out and he will keep going, but I don't I don't know that we'll see iterations of the music that we saw
0: so putting yourself in the exec shoes you meet kanye does he seem like someone you would dive into working with at this time
1: i think i think so i think like you you look just on his production track record alone right Mm -hmm. because there's like it's undeniable at that point so i think yeah you like he's someone you have to take a risk on and i think a lot of people like did that and i think a lot of people could see the talent see the vision and like i think the people who didn't either came around or you know Kanye wasn't interested in working with them in the way that like like that they weren't interested in working with him I want
0: to move on to college dropout because and kind of one of the big what ifs in popular music what would happen to what would have happened to hip-hop and popular music had Kanye West died in the car accident what does it look like today
1: I think like it it's a, that's a really hard question to ask but that's a it completely transforms the world that we know and what hip-hop looks like today And i think even uh, like fashion uh music uh i think a lot would be offset by that
0: yeah it's almost yeah. sorry go lens. oh
2: i was just gonna say i think i think at the time gang like the you know the rebrand well not the rebranding but like the bringing back of gangster rap i feel like it had already started to run its course like obviously music trends don't last forever and i think kanye was probably the catalyst to that to that change um he was probably what you know what really sparked it made made a change but i feel like it it would have changed maybe not in that same direction but i feel like all, there was some other music at the time that was kind of like going in that in that direction but yeah that's that, that is an interesting question though
0: i'm wondering if it doesn't hit the mainstream as hard as it did because if you look at everything that's happened you know since you know around the 2003 2004 time frame on so there was that more intellectual style of hip-hop there kind of had already been you know um you know there's guys like common there's guys like dead press talib
2: kwali talib yeah.
0: kwali yeah and i'm one and i'm wondering if that just remains part of underground or you know adjacent to what is going on in in hip-hop Although, I like, I'm a firm believer that you can't continue with that resurgence of gangster rap because at the end of the day, it's almost like you, it, it gets too tiring, you know? Um, yeah. And there's other parts of people's brains and souls that they need to get, you know, that they need to kind of have highlighted. And also, his, his bringing of electronic music into hip-hop, massively affected you know kind of what we're listening to right now especially within hip-hop sure. like there's entire genres i mean and as we get into future episodes we're going to talk about you know the influence of 808 wait and heartbreak my dark twisted fantasies but i think it was more this ability to kind of show people that you could think not that gangster rappers weren't thinking it's just that the branding was so on point with a level of negativity and you know in earlier interviews he talks a lot about how he felt that that as a black person that that stereotype was constraining in general not just as an artist.
1: I think with Kanye like bringing these kind of ideas that were already like around in the kind of subgenre of hip hop and bringing them to a commercial sphere and also I think Kanye had a lot more access in the ways that like these other guys who might have been respected by like say a Jay-Z or or whoever had access to these people but Connie's mm-hmm. access allowed like because he was with Jay-Z who was the biggest at the time allowed these ideas to hit the mainstream right away because Jay-Z had kind of co-signed him like even inadvertently by having him on his label
2: yeah I think I think what really speaks to that is that just like almost the fusion of the two like you have that like not, not like, you know, you have that mainstream hip-hop sound like we talked about, you know, like you have Jay-Z on the album, you have Ludacris on the album, but then at the same time, you do have like, you know, Talib Kweli and Common on the album. Um, so, like, I think that made it accessible to, like, like you said, like, he's with the people like Jay-Z, he's in the room with those people, so he already has access, but yeah, I, I think it's just that like, kind of like fusion of, of like the two sides of hip-hop, and that that's what really was uh, kind of the biggest... One of the biggest reasons that that it got bigger in the mainstream, I think. Uh,
0: Yeah, I think this question really kind of frames the overall importance Kanye West had, like, sorry, has, and you know, to music in general, especially what we're listening to these days. In my opinion, if he's not around, music doesn't sound like what it does today. Like, you know, like, obviously Dominic. For sure. Obviously, there's forms that, obviously hip-hop, you know, electronic music, you know indie rock are going to be around but this idea of the the melding and the um you know the transcending just normal influence like just your standard influences and combining everything and throwing it together which i mean we're really going to talk about when we get into uh graduation it's it's like one of those back to the future situations where you know i it's like it will create a you know an anomaly in the space time continuum because my brain can't comprehend what it would actually be like.
1: I think there's something to be said too for Kanye just being himself, and by doing so, he made it like cool, or he he kind of made it a thing for people to just be themselves in a way that like you didn't have to like put on a front necessarily in hip hop anymore. I think yeah, he- you didn't have like a gimmick. Yeah, he had, he had no gimmick, right? Like his gimmick was he worked at The Gap and he'd been trying to make it as a rapper. At the time, I think that was super freeing to see someone like that in the mainstream who could be in all those rooms, as he said, but also just was himself. Like he was the backpack guy. He was like whoever. And he opened up his music, musical-like pace. And like, I'm sure there's people in the, in the underground who are doing the same thing that he was doing or maybe had some of the same ideas. But having the kind of stratosphere that he was at and having the access it kind of allowed other people to be comfortable with that
0: now i want to get on to our initial thoughts of college dropout when you first listened to this record how did you guys how did it sink in with you what was the feelings
1: i think i i I started i think even before college dropout um floating around was uh this kanye song with old dirty bastard called keep the receipt yeah and that song, I must have played in like whatever Windows Media Player on my cousin's computer like a million times because I was like with, I didn't... with some
2: sick visuals going.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just a psychedelic like kaleidoscope little... in the background. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just kind of like something I really hadn't heard before. At least it was new and it was fresh to me. And then I remember watching like always, obviously all All Falls Down, and uh, like on One Hundred Six and Park the Through the Wire video, like kuri and chike did that video and i'm pretty sure they used to work at mtv and they kind of cut that video uh during like not work hours and they cut it like for super cheaply for kanye and i thought that video was amazing all the stories and just the way it kind of went in Yeah. if you haven't checked
0: out the if you haven't checked out the through the wire video definitely definitely check it out
2: yeah i mean again like I, i was saying before Um, all this older stuff, like I listened to after the fact, so I don't have that kind of like rose colored, like nostalgia for these albums. So I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm able to look at it like a little more critically for, for a fucking debut album. Like this album's insane. It's, it's, it's just excellent. It's excellent front to back. It's got a ton of bangers on it. I mean, obviously the skits are, are whatever um I'm, I'm never a huge fan of skits yeah like listening to it the first time like after the fact um already being like like a casual fan of of like the newer stuff and then going back and listening to the older stuff like it's it, it's it's really good i um like obviously i was aware of like all like the um like like the big songs when it came out and stuff but just overall going through the back catalog really enjoyed this one
0: standout tracks like what for us has really kind of got us
2: Never let me go. I think is probably my favorite.
1: Yeah, I think. Sorry, sorry,
0: sorry. Never, never let me down. My apologies.
2: Yeah,
1: never let me down. I think slow jams. I think needs its own kind of like category because I think that as a single was was amazing. Like having Twista, who was kind of like just bubbling at this time period, and Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. I don't know if he was coming off of Ray or he was, or Ray was just slightly after this, but he was like obviously like all his personality and like fame and stuff like that coming to do a track with Kanye, and then. Family business too. Like I think Kanye really brought his personality and persona, and even with the skits, like I kind of the crime man was like a historical black college influence. There reminds me of like Spike Lee's uh, school days. I and really yeah. think that's
0: what he was going for too. Like because I like there's direct like there's really direct parallels I believe to that.
1: Yeah, so I definitely think so. So yeah, I think just like in- influencing the whole like the school kind of vibe of it and everything that kind of went into it. It was really personal. Extremely personal, extremely well-crafted, yeah, extremely well-thought-out, too, which sometimes you don't see in a debut album, because I think sometimes, like, a lot of debut albums, at least in in the hip-hop sphere, like, they're kind of, like, a rush to get an idea out, and Mm -hmm. you kind of, like, perfect the idea maybe on your third album, but I think this was so well-crafted that it came together, and it just, it struck a chord with people who were listening at the time.
0: For me,
2: and it's really it's really well paced as well. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. Like, yes, it's very like it, it doesn't like peter out at the end, like um, like uh, like some hip hop albums do.
0: For me, Jesus Walks is the there is a theatricality to his music that is going to come out as you know as 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 things progress in his career, and you know for me, Jesus Walks is the it's like this widescreen epic of a song with really powerful imagery. It wasn't some of the the funnier, more you know backpack rap type stuff. That is like, we don't care is featured on this record. Like, I love that song. But Jesus Walks, in comparison to it, is just such grandeur. And he will only continue moving through with that throughout his career. Which So I I thought it was a really, really good starting point. The videos are good. I mean, you mentioned the videos, uh, Coburn. And he's really, even from a beginning, very... Uh, smart about putting together like his visual branding as a result, you know, mm-hmm. for it, and you know, he, I thought the singles were picked really, really well. And there's a, they're good. There's a bunch of them. They got mad radio play. But also, you touched on what the whole idea of it as a you know as an all time great, you know, an all time great debut release. Where do you think it is in that pantheon of great releases, like through hip hop and like beyond in pop music?
1: I, I think it's I think it's tricky because I think this album like it obviously did well, but I don't think this was the album that people that caught people to Kanye West I don't think people would catch on to Kanye West till graduation came out and that minted him so I think I think for a lot of people it might not rank as high as a debut but I'm not sure in the larger picture of, of albums I that was just my kind of like thoughts at the time and, and since
0: yeah I, yeah I'm,
1: I'm, I'm trying to think of like
2: other like a, another debut album to kind of compare it to
0: well with hip-hop it's hard because like if you're looking at debut albums as a playoff bracket uh, for sports, Il- hip-hop... Il-matic. This is exactly what I'm saying. So you have Illmatic... Oh,
2: I wouldn't... I don't know. So you have Illmatic,
0: I... you have Ready to Die... Sorry, you have Ready to Die. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? You have Doggy Style, you have License to Ill, um, you have Reasonable Doubt. So, like, hip-hop, like, when I look at opening records, like, the for debut records and just the level of quality, hip-hop always brings it. Like, there is a massive hip-hop presence in there. Especially when I consider other you know, debut records from a pop lexicon that are super famous, like fucking um, like Boston, you know, their first record and how, you know, those records are, you know, and the time are okay. But like some of the hip hop offerings, you know, from the debut record standpoint are absolutely fantastic. I don't think that this record is better than, and up at, you know, th- that kind of level. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I think it had a massive impact on the industry But it's not transcending genre, like you know, "Are You Experienced" by Jimi Hendrix, or you know, "Appetite for Destruction," or you know, "Horses" by Patti Smith, you know, or you know, the Clash self-titled debut. It's not like I don't think it's at that level. But what I think it really does is it, or sets the stage for what's about to come afterwards. It's a really good like opening thesis for what he is going to. for what he's going to do moving forward i think
1: yeah i think like as you mentioned before with jesus walks like there's what like three different uh videos for that song
0: well he did that uh he did that whole um that whole thing of anthology music videos um so there's the three jesus walks videos and there's a few more other ones too i think there's an alternate one for through um through the wire but this goes back to that whole paying a lot of attention to the you know to the visuals and to the art the artistic side beyond Music as well, and I th- and yeah. that's the thing that where this is unique in terms of debut albums, where it's it's really really looking at the full breadth of media in a way that Ready to Die didn't, and in the way that like you know Illmatic doesn't. But those are just great records, you know.
1: I think yeah, I think kane almost had like a cheat code here because at this point he was already in the music industry for however many years, like having placed albums on major record on like, yeah, major records or major albums. So he could kind of get his toes wet at the same time as put together and craft this album. Cause like there's bits and pieces of this album, other places like, you know, he'd been kind of trying to get this album together. So I think this was a really well realized and really well executed album in a way that some other debuts kind of don't have the luxury of kind of having experience in the music industry before putting an album out Mm -hmm. so i'd say yeah this album does lay a great groundwork i would call it like among his top three albums i might put it at two some days i might put it at one other days but yeah Uh, oh
2: yeah i I was just gonna say um like you said like he like he had a cheat code being in the industry like he's been around all these people like not only is that connections but like he's been learning for from from like you know the best in the business for X amount of years. And then you can just really see that on the album. Like the album from a production standpoint is super polished. Like for a debut album, like it's slick as hell. Not not to say that it doesn't kind of retain a bit of that kind of like um, you know, rough around the edges, but it's it's a very, very well-made album, especially for for a debut.
0: I feel like with this album, it's almost like it's terraforming the music industry to suit his needs, rather than it being like this thing where you know, gangster rap is prevalent it's now beginning to turn it how do you think this record affected the music industry as a whole
1: i think it this record kind of put people who were paying attention and like people who were in the know on notice you know i think that like gangster rap what i would call maybe the third iteration of gangster rap had kind of taken over at this point and there wasn't too much difference there the charts had kind of been constructed by it and, and they kind of own it so i think this album like doing what it did and having so many singles that that kind of charted and uh, it just made space in a way that uh, wasn't really seen before it. This is
0: the album that makes everyone's minds open to what's bringing everything else in, where there's still this idea of tribalism in hip-hop in terms of what is hip-hop, what isn't hip-hop, and this really breaks those doors down and allows people's brains to be ready for all the other stuff that he's gonna do. Because his next two records are just gonna be really swift and really fast maturity. And it's good it's it takes the music industry by storm. I'm like the the, you know, the march from college dropout to graduation is, you know, probably I think one of the most intense periods of change the music industry's gone through, on top of the fact that it's in the wake of file sharing and all this kind of stuff. So people are wondering whether or not music can even be commercial again. It really kind of it really kind of moves the, you know, moves the bar for, forward. Um, but what I want to do is I want to kind of segue into late registration from there. Um, this for me, this is my favorite Kanye West record. This one, really, I love this record. I love it so much. Listening, it's actually
2: my least favorite, to be honest with you.
0: It's incredible. I absolutely I, love it.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you, Kyle.
0: Because you know oh. what? Because you know, and honestly.
1: Well, That's first of all,
0: well, I guess that really answers Andrew Lance's initial thoughts on the record. But like for me, what's—I stand- don't think it's a
2: bad record. Get, don't don't get me wrong. I don't think Sorry, he puts out any. I, just to put that out there. I
0: don't think he puts out any bad records other than that aren't named Jesus King. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm.
2: I'm again, yeah, I'm not right. That like it's hard moment. to
0: put out. It's hard to name a bad record by Kanye West, mm-hmm. where like this is not good. This is not quality. He's always measured against himself, which is obviously super difficult.
1: Yeah, I mean, like just leading up to late registration he did Commons B which was like in my opinion like one of Commons best albums it's and, definitely
0: his best album
1: 100% and like that like he kind of had just come off of that to go into his, like to putting out his his own album and like again like where he was at in production and sound and concepts i think i think this is what i've always said about late registration is it's kind of like college dropout on acid yeah Mm, yeah that's There's that's a lot interesting. of elements of college dropout and like some of the weaker parts he improved on and like some of the grandiose he turned up and he it's concise i mean as concise as a 22 22 <laughs> i was about to say but he just kind of found ways to improve on what he'd already done and continue with what he'd become
0: standout tracks
1: crack music for me crack music uh, fuck, yeah
0: incredible
1: uh diamonds Uh, both
2: and gone uh honestly man like i know it was like a huge single but like touch the sky man like i love touch the sky it's got lupe on it the video the video's hot yeah i don't know that's like it's it's got the like that like you can hear that like john bryan on it like i don't know i i i like i like that one a lot
0: for me, uh, I the fucking lead single on it. Fucking not the well, it wasn't the first single, but Gold Digger. Like I had really not heard a banger at this level in a while, and it was just fucking really good. It's that kinda, song was everywhere. It was everywhere, when it came out. and you can you see the beginnings of like these stadium ambitions with it, and where it's big, and you can see it in you know in front of twenty thousand people, and how that's going to play out, and you know uh celebration i fucking loved it too because it was just this record is so like lush and pretty and f- like joyous even though it gets into some darker stuff in it you know especially with diamonds but it's absolutely like, it's just the feeling that this record gives me is a record is, is a feeling that no other you know record gives me and when i want a hit of this what this record gives it's the only, uh, it's the only substitute. There's nothing else, there is no substitute.
1: So I think with uh, like Gold Digger on on play registration, like I mentioned before, um, Jamie Foxx, and I, I think I was wrong actually. So Ray had just come out just before this album. So he kind of took that sample of Jamie Foxx singing in the movie and then flipped it into like this record, which is like, brings more of like the hilarity that we had on the new workout plan. It's him and Jamie Foxx again, who had just come off of the last record on called Dropout. It's funny. It's hilarious. It kind of also like pertinent and recent because because of the movie Ray. And so I thought that record, like, obviously, is a standout on it. But it's just like you said, it's very lush. Um, It's a big kind of like the beginnings of like a stadium record for Kanye. And I just thought, yeah, that
2: first line, there's like that huge first line. You can you can hear them shout. You can hear that shouting in
1: at yeah. the uh, at
2: the head of an audit at a huge stadium for sure
1: and then, like drive slow with Paul Wall who was also like doing really well at this time and like I think that's another thing that's understated about Kanye is his ability to find like unique and interesting collaborations like he'll <laughs> take people who are buzzing at the time and people who maybe not like aren't in the mainstream and he'll put them together on a song and you'll be like wow like I didn't think this guy could sound like this or I didn't think this would work And then he also has Adam Levine on it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's really, I find that his whole approach to music and collaboration is completely different than his entire approach to the rest of his life. It's like when he speaks about music and when he's talking about collaborations, all I want to do is sit and listen. And then with his other stuff, I'm like, yeah, I can't deal with the, uh, some of the other shit, but like touching on the collaborations and his ability to do that, he has the biggest and healthiest ego, almost simultaneously in a weird vacuum world
2: healthiest
0: yeah because he's not afraid of collaboration you know how many people are afraid of collaboration oh
2: okay Oh, like you might like okay e- like literal like ego as in okay as, as serious.
0: yeah like I, what i'm saying is you know he he is there is elements of megalomania sometimes but he is when it comes to music he's a straight genius and he knows when other people you know when other people have stuff to offer and what he can learn from them
2: yeah, I mean, it's it's like he's like the conductor. You know what I mean? He's like the producer. He's like the director of the album. Like he takes all these pieces. He with his cult, whether it be with collaborating with like John Bryan, or like on with like the artwork or the video, or with getting all these, you know, DJs, like he's getting like electronic DJs and shit later on. Like he really knows how to like assemble like a fucking A team. You know what I mean? He can really like Megatron Not Megatron. You can like, um, like Megazord. Yeah, you can like Voltron. Like (laughs) a really, really good A team. And then he know, but then he's like, not to say that he's like, oh, like let all these other people do my work. Like, no, like he's utilizing all their strengths to put like to form his vision.
1: I don't think there's like maybe other than Jesus King. There's not an album where like he doesn't do that.
0: Yeah, Um, that's a good point.
1: He doesn't doesn't pull like he's always. I don't know. He just has a, a way of pulling from and drawing inspiration from and putting these kind of sounds together that is just completely unique to Mm -hmm. him
0: you mentioned john bryan uh this for me this is one of the reasons why this is my favorite album because it's just his decision to get a guy who composed like magnolia and you know eternal sunshine like it's smart punch drunk love punch drunk love it's it's savvy like this is something he's not like he didn't just say i have to go out and get you know rick rubin or whoever or whoever all that kind of stuff like there's other producers you know who you find their way onto this record but just like the sheer emotional professional collaboration that takes place on this this is kind of why Mm -hmm. for me the only other record that i kind of accept that people will say is better is my dark twisted fantasy because that for me is the uber of this that is taken to another level with this where you know and we'll get into that but this this the full fleshed out discipline like of his process um, but this with John Bryan, like when they when you hear them talk about what they did for each other from a musical standpoint, it's really inspiring.
2: Yeah, I I love how there was like an interview where he was talking about it, and he's like pretty much loved his shit on um, with uh, Fiona Apple, and then loved his shit with uh, like on the Eternal Sunshine soundtrack, and then he called him up, and John Bryan was just like, "Yeah, man, let's do it," and they, like he even said he's like there was no pr person involved there were no managers there is no labels he's like yep like connie is like i gotta start on this right away and john bryan's just like yep i i understand i'm on my way and then they just like they just started
1: yeah it's interesting because john bryan uh, i remember reading an interview he says like connie sees music architecturally like spatially and mm. he said that's what he recognized in him when like working with him and i think that like absolutely speaks to the way connie approaches Most things in his career, like his way he does fashion, the way he does music, it's like he kind of can pick the. He has the building blocks and the foundation, and can like pick the rooms out in a way that like someone else might not see.
0: As a person who you know really who works in the industry, you know in this city, Coburn. Like, how hard is it to find collaborators like that? You know, when you see like how rare are those special collaborations?
1: I mean, I mean they're completely rare because you can like. You put people in the same room who you might think might look at on paper, or things that like would make sense typically, but like the the chemistry is not always there, and the vision is not always there. And sometimes you're kind of like you get the end product, and you're like, oh, what is this? This sounds nothing like it should sound, or you know, like like the production doesn't match, or like the energy doesn't match. So like to kind of have somebody to look at like Kanye and be like, oh wow, this person can do everything and more you know he can take like who who hires a film composer for their second album it's like out of the box thinking completely like Mm -hmm. and that's i think lends itself to late registration making it sound as lush and rich as it does
0: do you think that that is really the source of the improvement from this record from last record to this record
1: i i think so like i think it's also like a bit more personal i think and it's a bit broader it's more textured and i think that kind of gives it a little bit more timelessness in some ways than college dropout yeah i don't
0: like for me late registr- uh, late registration holds up much better uh i, I listen agree. i listen to college dropout it's fa- it's fantastic but because we now know what he's capable of and what the music industry has become it almost seems antiquated it's still great but he's going it, it's it's funny because he's gonna make his own work obsolete by creating a sound, then chopping it down, then creating another sound and then chopping it down, and I, I think that's the greatest source of maturity on this is that he is unwilling to rest on his laurels and do and fight the last war. He's not into this is how I got famous last time. He has a you know he has a like a structure for it, but if for him if he's not pushing pushing the needle forward from an experimentation and from a professional development standpoint he himself views that as a failure like he'll whatever comes out if it doesn't le- live up to that this is kind of why i'm wondering if the music he's making now is worthy of the stuff he put out before
1: yeah I, I don't think it is but yeah i think you're right i think Connie's he's never someone to rest on his laurels and i think you have a lot of people will beg their art, their like artists for the album like you know that they used to make you know a lot of people are like oh can you make that again but I don't think I see that critique with Kanye too much because he's so willing to kind of build on his old sounds and do and like take a sound completely different in new ways. You know, people are kind of like a little bit more willing to let Kanye experiment. They're like, I think up until Yeezus people were, or maybe 808 was the one where people were like, ah, he's experimenting too much. But people are kind of willing to give him the benefit of, of the doubt in a way that I don't think a lot of other artists
0: it's interesting how people love criticism at the beginning, but then all of a sudden they'll declare something like a fucking certified classic.
2: Yeah, the um, like like people always say, you have your whole life to make your debut album, and I think that kind of shows with um, with uh, College Dropout. It's kind of like he has like a lot of those songs, like a lot of those songs were you know made for the album, but there's like a lot of stuff from like kind of like the back catalog and stuff. While I feel like um, Late Registration is a lot more like unified and I think that definitely had a lot to do with like John Bryan's kind of like giving it like a theme. Like there are some older tracks on there. Um like I think he's I think Gold Digger is like uh like a really old track. But he provides but, unifying um, elements. Yeah, exactly. And it's like 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 you know John him and John Bryan did their thing with it to make it, you know, contemporary to that time and make it more unified with the album. And I I think that's why I I definitely like um, late registration, better. it's, it definitely feels more of like a unified album. There's like more of a theme to it. Um, There's kind of like through, I feel like there's like more like kind of like through lines that run through it. And yeah, I, 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 I fully can kind of see that with that album.
0: So Lupe Fiasco is introduced to us during this process. I like that already he's his head is focused on one, how can I also bring uh bring people along, but also how can I create my own sphere of influence like Jay-Z rather than just being part of, you know, the the Rockefeller circle. Um he's creating his own thing from the very beginning. He, you see a dedication to that.
1: Yeah, I think like introducing Lupe and like his standout verse on Touch the Sky. And Kanye had kind of, I don't know if John Legend is maybe somewhere on this album too, but like Kanye also brought on John Legend around as well. Who's obviously a a musical heavyweight in his own right. So Kanye kind of built his sonic world with the touches of like these people and like um, Rhymefest is on, I think it's not on both albums. He's writing on both albums at this time. GLC is around. So Kanye is kind of like slowly building what would, become like good music at this point kind of leaning on these people in their elements to add to his own and add to what makes kanye kanye west
0: it's interesting how his records like how they unfold because it's as if he's opening the door each time for his next record and he's smart about that and i think a lot of musicians don't think like that because you get into the whole idea of you need to release your last record to get sales and to you know, make sure cash is coming in and all those kind of things. But this, he never does that. It's like all he's doing is is each record is prepping his listener for the next record. And especially as his records get better too. It's almost like he's leading up to the great record. To the one that's going to last for a long time even though he's making great records as he goes along. How do you think this set him up for Graduation?
1: This is the album that, like, people who were paying attention to Kanye, it gave them, like, a faith and an ability to trust him and trust where he was going with sounds and to trust that he could kind of take you somewhere, you know? Like, you're you're able to kind of trust that you're going to go on a musical journey, so that's why when he brought on, like, Daft Punk on graduation, it doesn't sound out of place.
2: Yeah, you can kind of see the like like you're saying. You can see the evolution in every album. It's like almost like every album is half the last album and half the next album. That's how I can. Kind of, I mean, obviously with some glaring. No, that's examples. an interesting point.
0: There's some overlap, so you see the continuity, but it moves. On. Yeah,
2: yeah, you can see like where he came from with every album, but then you can see where he's going with every album. I feel like, and I, and I think maybe graduation is probably the best example of that. But I mean, it exists on late
1: registration as well. Funny, too, because in this time period, what, this album, I believe, released in August, and in September, he was on TV with George Bush. Yes. yes. Or with Rob Williams.
0: Uh, no, it's the Mike Myers that I don't care My, George yeah, Mike, Bush doesn't yeah, care yeah, about Mike black Myers. people. Yeah. yeah. I stood up and applauded. Yeah. <laughs> I stood up and fucking applauded. Thankfully, someone My,
2: said it. Mike Myers' face, when he it's says it, he's just like, I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah. He's I like, love get it. me out of here. Yeah, yeah. He's like, and then this... he just
0: kind of tries to save it by like continuing on. Well, because Connie delivers that first line, and it's obviously not on script. Oh, that's I, way I, off script. Yeah, and for then, sure. and then Mike Myers just gives his scripted line, and it's like he doesn't blink for forty-five straight seconds. Yeah, I think he like his ability to do that is pretty fantastic. It's almost like his whole career is like a series like you know a tv series and he has to like set up the rules for it but as he moves on you want to take it to new places he has to set up those rules and parameters to work in and uh he always seems to does it i do think that there is a lot like you see his influence of people like miles davis in him with that how it's how am i acclimatizing my listeners to what I'm about to do you know and you saw that with Miles Davis when we went from modal jazz when he went from you know bop to modal to fusion going electric that kind of thing and I think that you know there's always these little through lines of things that great artists do that he also does I don't know if it's on purpose or subconscious Yeah, subconsciously probably a little bit of both but um, you know as we move into graduation I think he set I think he set that time period up very well, and then I mean, graduation is the record that transcends all of this idea of what is hip hop, what is not hip hop. Um, he's like that is not the game he's playing anymore because he doesn't have to worry about it. One thing I want to get into before we move on to graduation, though, is late orchestration. Another thing that really kind of shows that Kanye West is different from other artists. It's absolutely fantastic. Because I already love, it's I already love these. Moves. Yeah, one of my favorite live albums it's so good okay so
2: what so what is it i have no idea what
0: this is explain late registration
1: sorry late orchestration late orchestration is kanye going to the uk and he went to abbey road studios brought in a full orchestra um like a 17 piece like like all-female string orchestra had like john legend lupe fiasco and glc and consequence from that from late registration come in and filmed it and just did a like a 12 like 12 tracks from it and did it live and it's just amazing you get to watch kanye working with an orchestra just bringing the whole album like together but also like it gives it a new life and the cover is like the college dropout bear or whatever you want to call that bear and it's walking down like across like abbey road and what? also i love like-
0: the reorganization of the album too like it's starting like they open with uh with diamonds yeah. And it's so fucking sick. It's incredible.
2: Is there is there like a documentary? I could so is did he like go and like they just went and recorded or did they like go and like work out all the tracks together and blah 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 there.
0: Well, they did rehearsals and stuff, and uh, there's a, there is a, there's like a, a DVD and some, like a video for it.
1: Oh man, I gotta yeah. check that out. Yeah, yeah, the whole the whole video you can watch behind like behind the scenes of it, and it shows like kind of how it kind of came together. But yeah, I think it's just like. Completely stand out, like, there's a, obviously, in the rock space and in, like, kind of the blues and other genres, there's, like, a good history of doing, like, live albums. But I think in rap, out of the, like, the MTV's Unplugged series that ran for a while, there wasn't too many, there's not too many standout, like, live albums. I think there's, like, Jay-Z's, there's Lauren Hill, and I would have to put, like, orchestration there, too.
0: What do we think of Jay-Z's, just as a side note, Unplugged?
1: I mean, I think I have, like, a nostalgia for it. I haven't watched or listened to it, like, in the last, like, four years. But I remember liking it.
0: I would recommend checking it out. I enjoyed it. I did not enjoy Lauren Hill's because okay. I, I just don't know. It just, uh, I was super hyped for it. And then it, because I, for me, it, she would translate perfectly into it. But I don't know. It just didn't, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was the full artistic majesty that Lauren Hill brings, if that makes any sense.
1: Well, I think it's interesting to bring up Lauren Hill now too, because I think that's an influence on Kanye that is kind of understated. And I think the most education of Lauren Hill translates directly into late registration and into college dropout. Even the whole ca- classroom themes, like to the, the way the music is arranged. And Kanye talks about her being an influence, obviously, but then I think also on the original version of "All Falls Down," she was on. She was on that.
0: Yes. Um... Yeah,
1: and they couldn't like clear the sample.
0: Like, I think that that's the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is the only real direct through line I can see to his music prior. Like, I can yeah. see the influences, but in terms of where I can see the direct artistic method, because she's, a, I, I don't think she has an artistic, like, an artistic method that is at the same level as Kanye West's, but at the same time, the, like, that record, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, is absolutely fantastic. It is, St- like it still gets a regular play at least a few times a month you know in my house and I, I i think that's a really excellent point bringing that up and i i would have liked to have seen more collaboration with them like to me it makes sense i just wonder how those egos together are going to be but then again when it comes to music they've both kind of shown that they can put it aside although there is you know lauren hill's you know
1: like i don't know if lauren hill will show up like she yeah. really show, like, like she like wants to, but like when she, like when she puts her mind to it her music is like amazing and like. There's nothing like quite like it, but also like her body of work compared to like what she gets compared to isn't quite there. But yeah, Yeah. I'd say like like you said, like it's the most direct comparison, I think, and most like direct influence on Kanye. All
0: right guys, thanks for listening. Just a reminder, if you like this podcast and want to keep hearing it, subscribe and give us a five-star review. And if you're not already subscribing to our YouTube channel or following us on social media, get on it. You will not regret it.